is the art of charm. Learn everything you need to know to crush it in business, love, and life. So today's an unusual show. On the surface, it might not seem to be the same type of topic we normally talk about. It might also be a little macabre or a little bit too heavy hitting. We're going to talk about how to stay safe in the event of, first of all, prevention, but also in the event of horrible, horrible mass shooting type of incidents that we've been seeing around the world. And unfortunately, we've been seeing here in America as well with greater and greater frequency. I can't help but bring up comparisons to things like the Paris theater incident and the whole Paris escapade as well as San Bernardino. It's very, very timely. And unfortunately, it doesn't look like this is something that's going to wrap itself up anytime soon. I wish you didn't need this advice but I'm going to give it to you anyway, or I'm going to have Sean Rafferty give it to you anyway, because I'm afraid that if I don't, somebody else who needs it might not get it in time. So with that, here's Sean Rafferty, and welcome to The Art of Charm. I'm Jordan Harbinger. The Art of Charm brings together the best thought leaders, teachers, and exceptional individuals to teach you how to be a top performer in life, love, and at work. Imagine having a mix of experienced mentors teaching you their expertise and packing decades of research, testing, and tough lessons into a curriculum. We may not have all the answers, but we definitely have all the questions. Make sure to stay up to date with The Art of Charm and get some great stuff that we don't or can't share on the show by signing up at theartofcharm.com. That's where we'll email you the fundamentals toolkit that covers topics like body language, nonverbal communication, persuasion, business networking, public speaking, negotiation, and a whole lot more. I'm also doing regular videos with drills and exercises to help you move forward every single week. We've also got our live programs running each week here in Los Angeles, California. In fact, we've got guys from all over the world, which shows that no matter where you are, you can make it here if you want to learn and grow. We're sold out a couple months in advance, so if you're even thinking about it a little bit, you should get in touch ASAP by phone or just email me, jordan at theartofcharm.com, to get some info from us now so you can plan ahead. Looking forward to meeting you here at AOC. And now, Sean Rafferty. Tell us what you do in one sentence, because this is kind of an unusual show for us. Well, I basically, I teach people how to alter their mindset and behavior by utilizing situational observational awareness to prevent them from being a victim of violence. So it's kind of left of bang, but more like civilian left of bang kind of deal? Well, basically, you know, with my experience in the military, law enforcement, private security, you know, I've taken a lot of that, the things I've learned over the years and applied it to, you know, what I'm doing now, which is don't put yourself in a position to be victimized. It's better to avoid it altogether than to have to fight somebody or fight off an attacker. So, you know, it, it applies to civilians as well as military, law enforcement, et cetera. So how did you even become an expert in this? You're, you're a personal protection coach specializing in transforming mindsets instead of teaching like self-defense karate moves, basically. Basically, that's it. I mean, that's right on the money. You know, the reality of it is this. Probably 95% of the people, maybe even more than that, in the United States, they don't have time to practice martial arts or some type of self-defense, you know. And the mindset of most people, too, is just, hey, that's a reactive kind of mindset, meaning I'm training to, you know, wait for that attacker to come, boom, and then I, you know, react to it, whatever. But, you know, the reality of it is that you're at a disadvantage whenever you think like that because, that guy that's going to attack you, you don't know what he has planned, you know, if he has a weapon, whatever. You know, my background basically, you know, I was, a, I was in the Marines, I was in the infantry, I was a corrections officer, police officer, did uh, force protection work in Kuwait before the war started, um, did security contracting in Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, I was a federal agent. I protected the U.S. Secretary of Commerce. So it was like a mini version of the uh, Secret Service. I was a firearms instructor, had a martial arts school. So basically, you know, my whole career path has been based upon, you know, just maneuvering in a way to avoid confrontation. What we're talking about here, and the reason this is relevant is because right now, there's a lot of stuff going down all over the world. And a lot of people who are listening, everybody listening, you know, they want to travel, even if it's just around the United States and Canada. And we've got a lot of things to think about. It's no longer... Oh, I got to make sure I keep an eye on the kids while I'm having a beer in this park. You know, it's 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 not even don't talk to strangers. It's be careful because somebody might try to shoot you while you're at your holiday party. I mean, it's gotten to the point where even though the odds are relatively low of being involved in something like this, 
we can no longer ignore the problem and pretend like, well, statistically, it's going to be fine because that may be true, but we're kind of deluding ourselves in thinking that we're better off. What's the common analogy? Well, you know, you're more likely to get struck by lightning and win the lottery on the same day. And that's true, but you can't prepare for getting struck by lightning slash winning the lottery on the same day, but we can prepare for something like a dangerous event. And I want to narrow that down because we're not talking about an earthquake. We're not talking about somebody randomly picking on you in the street and asking you for your wallet. We're talking about indiscriminate in the workplace or in a, at a social event. Oh, yeah. And I mean, uh, especially with this recent attack in San Bernardino, I mean, um, you're absolutely correct. And the great thing about it is it doesn't take a lot of time and energy to be able to, you know, just be more aware. You know, I call it, well, we call it situational and observational awareness, meaning you're aware of your surroundings, you know where you're at at all times, you you know the layout of the buildings you're, you're in or, you know, wherever you're at. And observational awareness, meaning you're you're paying attention to people, you know, their actions, like what I was getting back is so simple. It's like, you know, if you train martial arts or, you know, kickboxing, whatever, it takes years and years and years to develop, you know, how to punch and kick correctly, how to block and all this and all that. And uh, but something like, you know, just opening your eyes up, you know, get your head out of your phone and paying attention. What that does is it opens your mind, first of all, and it helps you think, because if you're ever in a situation where um, like we'll just say you're at a party or a movie theater, restaurant, whatever, and some type of incident happens. Maybe somebody comes in and starts shooting or whatever. If you're not thinking ahead, if you don't have a plan in place, like, hey, if something happens here, I'm going to move over here. I'm going to hide behind this. What happens is you're going to have a, a major delayed effect. Most of that's had to do with shock because you're like, oh, I can't believe this is happening. You know, the more delay you have, the more danger it is, dangerous it is to you. So you got to be thinking about where to go, what to do. It's Initially, when you're starting to learn how to do this, it's kind of like you have to think that way all the time. And eventually, however long it takes you to kind of develop this naturally, you'll just kind of automatically do it after that, after you kind of picked it up and made it a habit. So you won't have to like concentrate on it so much. It'll just kind of naturally be able to scan a crowd, you know, look into a building and know where you're at. Okay. So Jason, you had mentioned this reminds you of a movie. Yeah, it reminds me of The Bourne Identity, the first movie where he's in the cafe and he's like talking about, you know, he knows where he's sitting. He's sitting with his back to the wall. He knows where the exits are. He knows what people have, what in their cars, because he can just tell from his situational awareness. And he also knows like his physical limitations at that altitude. I mean, it's a classic scene. And I think about that when I go to a restaurant now, you know, it's just like, okay, can I be Jason Bourne and do that stuff? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, obviously the, the whole part about the heart rate, I mean, that takes a lot of, you know, training to figure that out. But simple thing like, you know, we'll use the restaurant analogy, like, okay, you walk into a restaurant, you pick a seat where you could see the entrances and exits, you know, so you can kind of pay attention to who's coming and going. And what I like to tell people is, hey, you know, you get your seat where you could see everything, uh, order your menu, and then you get up and you go walk to the bathroom. And as you're walking through the bathroom, you're scanning the crowd nonchalantly looking for other exits to get out of there. And then, um, you know, you walk back to your seat. So, and then you just kind of sit there and you kind of game plan in your head. Hey, if something happens in the front of the building, I'm going to go out this in the back or et cetera. If I have to throw a chair through the, through the window to get out, I'll do that. But, uh, you know, another tip is, you know, in restaurants, most restaurants, the kitchen has a back exit, you know, out to an alleyway or whatever. So, uh, most people will panic and, and run for the nearest exit where you could be smart and not follow the crowd. Uh, you know, Jason Bourne, yeah, I mean, he's, you know, in that kind of uh, situation, he, he did a lot of training. But just simple, just knowing where your exits are at, knowing, you know, where to go. I mean, anybody can do that. That's the beauty of it. Yeah, because it seems to me we, we can't train people, like you said, to monitor their heart rate. And I'm thinking there's a lot of guys and gals listening to this right now that are thinking, I'm not going to live my life in some kind of fear. And it seems like without having and practicing situational observational awareness, you are willingly blind to potential threats and any dangers that are around you. And now that these dangers are not just the purse snatcher, but are more likely to actually do you severe harm and kill you and your family for that matter. Now, like I said earlier, we need to focus more on this and we need to keep it simple because there's a lot of people who avoid this subject 
purposely because it's kind of scary. I remember when I was younger, I thought, oh, it's cool. I'm going to know all about this security stuff and, you know, sit facing the door, know where the exits are. Every time you enter a room, look at people who might be police so that you know where they are and like where anything might happen and look at the people you kind of judge as physical threats and all this stuff. But as I got older, I kind of stopped doing that. And the reason is because I felt like, oh, it's immature and uncivil in a way to think about things like that. And, you know, you shouldn't have to worry about that. And we don't have to. But now I realize there's so much folly in that. It became willful blindness to my surroundings. And I'm still a pretty aware guy, which is scary because I look at the way that I go through life and I realize, oh, man, I'm 10 times more aware than a lot of those people around me. And I still feel like I'm not that observant. And I, and I make a lot of sort of mistakes sometimes where I just go, ah, to hell with it. And I kind of whitewash a situation instead of going, maybe I should be keeping an eye on, on these people in the corner. And then I go, nah, second guess myself is what I'm looking to say. And then those are the guys that end up throwing bottles at the tables around them or something like that later on in the evening. And I go, I should have seen that coming three hours ago and moved. What was I thinking? Why did I avoid that on purpose? It's, it's silly. It's something that I found myself doing more as I got older. And I can't really explain that phenomenon, but I think we need to not just vaguely talk about how everyone can be safer and protect themselves. I want to be really specific because there's a, from the stay-at-home mom to the professional police officer listening to this right now, I want people to come away with strategies. Yes. So, yeah, my side of this is that, you know, as you get older, you kind of don't want to live in a world where there's threats around you all the time. You want to believe that the world is a nice, soft place made of nerf and everything is going to be OK. And what we're learning now is it's not. We are living in the safest time in history, if you look at the statistics. But there's also a lot of crazy stuff going on. And I think that that's where we really need to start paying attention, because there's more things happening right now than have I think in the history of like our lifetime, at least, you know, with just random shootings every single day. And that's why I want to hear what Sean has to say about it, because I think what he teaches really can like just help keep us a little bit safer, actually a lot safer by not doing a whole lot of things that are outside of our comfort zone. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's spot on. You know, you got to look at it like this in the wild. A predator preys on the weak, right? They go for the young or the sick. Criminals are the same way. They're, they're going to go for the easiest prey they can because they don't want to have to fight somebody to get what they want. You know, and this goes for a regular simple criminal. It goes for a terrorist who wants to commit a terrorist act. They're not going to, a terrorist is not going to attack a police station. You know, that doesn't make any sense. But they will attack someplace where they know there's a bunch of helpless victims, so to speak. So easy way to do it is, look. Get your head out of your phone, right? So many people now, you know, you're in your car, you're on the train, you're walking down the street, everybody's in their phone. They're looking at their Facebook status, whatever. They're not looking around. Guilty. <laughs> yeah, I do it too. But, um, you know, you just, you got to stop that because people are watching you. You know, people that want to uh, inflict harm upon you are watching you because who do you think they're going to go after? Somebody that's looking at their phone, not looking around? Or somebody that's standing there looking behind their back every few seconds, you know, looking around, paying attention. Who do you think they're going to go after? And so it's weird because it's almost like you don't want to look paranoid, but looking aware is actually a good defense is what it sounds like you're saying. Yeah, it's just being preventative. It's like you don't make yourself look weak. You know, even if like say a, a woman, right, and the attacker or a potential criminal or whatever is a man, you know, maybe even larger – even somebody that he might consider to be weaker than him as an easy prey, if that woman is paying attention, looking around, um, being observant, he's going to say, hey, look, she might give me a fight or she might run or she might yell, whatever. I'm just going to avoid her and go down the street to this next person who is so involved in their phone. They don't even know what's going on around them. I mean, it's so many easy things people can apply. So I suggest this. You know, think of it as like uh, the analogy of soap, <laughs> all right? Situational, observational awareness, and prevention, right? So situational awareness means paying attention to your surroundings and knowing where you're at. Observational awareness, like I said before, looking at people, observing them. You know, kind of like what you talk about all the time, Jordan, you know, relationships and like you observe the person you're trying to talk to. Look at body language, right? 
It's the same thing when you're looking at it like in a protection kind of standpoint because most people are going to give clues. They're going to give clues about what their intentions are because if somebody's intending to attack somebody, like uh, we're talking about random criminals here on the street, for instance, if they're intending to attack somebody on the street or on a train, they're probably going to be acting a little bit differently than, say, somebody who's sitting there. How are they going to be acting differently? Okay, well, they're going to be nervous. They're going to be, you know, perspiring. They're going to be maybe moving around a little much, looking around. Even a professional thief who does this like every day? Well, maybe not like a pickpocket, somebody like that. But let me backtrack a little bit. Somebody who has done it multiple, multiple times, it does it all the time. Yeah, they're going to be more inclined to mask any kind of nervousness, right? I mean, you have people that are serial killers that, you know, don't even get their heart rate up. <laughs> you know what I mean? But the average person, right. you know, they're, you know, they're going to show signs. Um, they might look out of place. I'll give you an example. Um, I went to some training and they were showing us videos of like assassinations, you know. By the way, you're super highly trained. I mean, you've been in Iraq, just super dangerous right now. I mean, look at Cincinnati, Ohio. Oh, wait, and I probably shouldn't say that. But Hey, I'm from Cincinnati. What I'm, just, about? I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> hey, it could be Cleveland. But you've been in this game since 91, which is forever. I was like 11 years old, popping my first zits when you were Marine Infantry all the way through to being protective security specialists for various organizations that have had plenty of good press in the last few years. Um, I just want to be really clear that when you go through training on assassinations, this isn't you watching some YouTube videos about people being killed. This is your job. You're supposed to be a an expert counter to these people who are being targeted. Yeah, I mean, it, basically the video was, uh, you know, this was in a context of being uh, VIP protection, you know, having a principal protecting somebody. The videos were basically, it showed uh, the assassination and then it, what it did is afterwards it showed like the camera panning of the crowd before it happened and it always showed like a glimpse of the person committing the assassination, right? And generally, nine times out of ten, the person was either dressed like in dark clothes <laughs> or they had a frown on their face when everybody else was smiling or, you know, they always stood out, right? They always stood out from everybody else around them. Little things like that is, you know, you could pick those things up, you know. So as a civilian, as a regular person, you know, going out through your daily life, you're going grocery shopping or you're going to your favorite restaurant, you know. And generally, you know, neighborhood restaurants in certain areas of, of the country, you know, you see the same crowds a lot of times. I mean, unless they're big chain restaurants and who knows. But let's just say you go to the same place you go to all the time, like your neighborhood grocery store. You kind of get an idea of who's in there and you're used to seeing the same types of people. But, you know, maybe you might pick up and see somebody that doesn't look like somebody you've seen before, looks out of place, you know, wearing some different clothes, acting a different way. That should be warning flags popping off in your head like, hey, you know, that person looks out of place. I got to pay attention to them. You know, same thing if you're in a restaurant, you know, scan the crowd. If everybody's in there eating and having a good time and there's a couple guys in the corner that are sitting there and they're kind of looking at everybody and they're not happy, you know, why is that, you know? Simple things like that, just paying attention to people and their movements. There's an easy way that you can practice your observation skills. You know, when I was a police officer, actually when we had to do the test to become a police officer, they made you do this thing where you look at this picture, right, a photo, and it could be a street scene, and, and you, they let you look at it for a few minutes, and then at the end of it, they ask, like, all these questions, and you had to remember what you saw, because usually as a police officer, you have to memorize all right, the Right, you got to memorize all that. yeah. So that's just a good way of being observant. So, you know, like in one of my training, that's what I do. I show a picture of a street scene and then, you know, I, I let them look at it for a little bit and then I ask them questions. Well, a good way to develop your observational skills is go people watch, meaning, you know, go to the mall, wherever, where there's a lot of people, sit back, you know, grab a Starbucks and have a drink of coffee and watch people walk around, you know, pay attention to their body movements. You know, how do they move? Do they move athletic, you know, athletically? Do they look powerful? Are they handicapped in some type of manner? And what I like to do too is I like to, you know, especially people I see all the time, I watch their body movements, like how they walk. And then eventually you'll, you'll memorize their walking patterns and you can see them, you know, 300 yards away and you know that you can't see their face, but you yeah. know by the way they walk, you know, just you start picking up on things like that. No, I was going to say, you know, it's funny because I have an unusual gait 
basically I just have really stiff hip flexors. You kind of wobble. I wobble. Let's just say you kind of wobble. I kind of wobble a little bit. Swagger, man. It's funny because I don't like it, but everybody else is like, yeah, it's fine, whatever. But my dad does it too. It's probably just some sort of genetic thing. But people will say, oh, you know what? It's funny. I was up on the third story and I saw you walking over here. And I'm like, how the hell did you see me, you know, half a mile down Hollywood Boulevard? It doesn't make any sense. And they're like, ah, you know, you have that unusual gait. And I, that's when I learned about it. it was, this is years ago. And my girlfriend even says, oh, yeah, you know, I was looking out the window and I noticed you came, came up the stairs from the grocery store and walk across the street. And I thought, you can only see the top of my head and you still know it's me. It's really funny. Likewise, on the same observational tip, I still do this drill a lot whenever I'm kind of hanging out or killing time or whatever, and I happen to be somewhere if I'm waiting for somebody, rather than just checking Twitter for the 85th time, I'll look around. And I noticed weird stuff, too. I'll be like, hmm, that guy's left-handed. And this person, she's nervous today because she's waiting for someone. And I miss a lot of the obvious stuff. Everyone else notices. If there's 10 people, I'll notice this person's left-handed, this person you know, is wearing a hairpiece, and everyone else is like, there's no women in the room. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even notice that. It's really <sighs> weird. Well, you know, but hey, that's, I mean, to be able to pick out little minute details like that, that's great, you know, because that's going to be, you know, you walk into a room or whatever, you're going to pick out somebody that just doesn't look right, that just is not acting right. Observational awareness, like I was saying before, is so important and it's so easy to develop, you know. Another thing that, that I always tell people, too, is um, learn how to lip read. Oh, really? Yeah, I know that kind of sounds a little crazy, but, you know, let's just say, and I kind of learned that when I was a corrections officer. I could be sitting behind a glass, like in the control booth and looking out. I know the inmate's voice, right? I could see him moving his lips, talking to somebody, and I can hear his voice in my head. And the reason why I say this is kind of a nice little thing to kind of pick up is, you know, let's take it back to the restaurant setting. And you're sitting there eating, and you're looking, and you see, you know, one or two guys sitting in a corner, and they're talking to each other. And they just something about them just doesn't sit right with you. And you're watching one of them talk, and he's like, you know, hey – Let's follow this guy out to the car when he's done eating and uh, let's uh, rob him, you know. But nobody really says that. They might say something like, what about this guy? They would never be like, hey, why don't we go accost this person in the parking lot? Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you can kind of pick up what they're saying, pick up, you know, little words here and there. I mean, it takes a little bit of time to learn how to do it, but it's a neat little trick that you can pick up. How do you practice that skill? Well, like you could just sit from a distance and just like maybe watch like your girlfriend or your friend just sit there and watch them talk but maybe you can't hear them and then you start watching their mouth move and then you'll start seeing like how they form words like you can actually be a little closer and kind of hear them you know maybe start off with them being close to you talking and watch their lips and how they form the words and then you know slowly just kind of take your way out of the um uh, the sound of their voice, and then that's how how you start learning how to do it. Yeah, can we actually do this by watching movies on mute with with subtitles that's what I on? Thought, yeah, yeah, I sure. Yeah, I mean, deaf people do it all the time. You know, they watch your lips, and you know, they they're able to pick out what you're saying. But yeah, you could do that. Matter of fact, that would probably be the easiest way to do it, <laughs> especially if you uh, watched the movie before and you kind of know what they're saying. Yeah, you might be cheating with that, but yes, definitely. Yeah, but I mean, if we if we keep subtitles on, then we could definitely, you know, just watch how the lips move and then read what they're saying as long yeah. as the subtitles don't suck. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, try it out and see how quickly you pick up on it. But uh, it's just a little little extra tool in the toolbox. You know what I mean? There's nothing wrong with being able to pull it out and use it when you have to. Going back to what you'd mentioned before, it seems like the easiest target is often the safest option for somebody who's going to be a criminal element. And Human predators, though, are no different than animal predators. They choose easy prey. They don't want to get hurt. They don't want to get arrested. But what about in the case that we're dealing with now where they don't care? They're, they're in it to win it or not to win it, and they're, they're in it to, to just hurt as many people as possible, and they don't, you know, whoever, consequences be damned. How do we become more of a hard target? Because that's what we're dealing with these days. This isn't about losing your wallet. It's not about getting your phone snatched when you're walking down the street in London by some teenager. This is about getting, you know, rifled in the middle of your Thanksgiving holiday party. Yeah, and uh, basically it's like this. You got to remember that, you know, these guys are are predators and they're attacking the weak because they want to try to do the most damage as possible. So, okay, let me just give some examples. Um, they're going to go for target areas where there's a lot of people, 
masked, right? Because they have to do as much damage as possible. It wouldn't make any sense to them just, you know, trying to hurt one or two people, right? Because that doesn't make a statement. That's not what they're trying to do. So they're going to go for mass groups of people. And, you know, if you look at Paris, San Bernardino, any place like where there's any kind of uh, terrorist incidents, there's always, you know, lots of people around. So think of it like this. Wherever you're at, it could be outside. You could be at a barbecue, like you said. It could be, you know, you're at one of those outdoor shopping malls, anywhere, concert, a mall, inside, anywhere. Know the layout of the place you're going to. Know where just where the buildings are at. Know the um, exit points. Know how to get out of the building if you had to. Start thinking about like where you're sitting at. So like if you're at the mall and you're the food court, right? Um, I'll ask you this: Where do you think is the best place to sit in the middle of the mall, in the middle of the food court, or on the outside? Uh, probably on the outside. Exactly. So because why? Why is that? Uh, hopefully, you're close to some kind of door, and also. I feel like if anything was going to go down of this nature, it would start in the middle. Exactly. That's because there's probably going to be a lot more people in the center, right? So if you decide to put yourself on the outside of the crowd, right, and then maybe sit next to one of those pillars, right, and then and then no, you know, look, kind of sit next to close to like an exit point or maybe the bathroom or something like that to where you can get to it if you had to. Um, so you're automatically you're you're, you're you're applying your situational awareness and then you you know you activate your observational awareness and you're always thinking about what you're going to do if something happens. But if you're sitting in the middle, you can't do that and you're going to be stuck because if something does happen, people are going to be running and knocking you over and you're not going to be able to get out and you're going to be stuck. So that's just one easy thing that you could do is don't put yourself in the middle, get yourself on the outside. This could go for, you know, if you're in a nightclub, it can, you know, restaurants, wherever, you know, you just position yourself to where you can get away quickly and you're not in the center mass of everything. I don't know the layout of what happened to CERN bar is the layout of the building, but it was an office building. So, you know, everybody was in one room and easy target, right? Obviously, let's just be real. If you just happen to be sitting there, your backs to the wall, whatever, and somebody walked up behind you and did some harm to you, there's not much you could do at that point. But if you are in the vicinity or even in the same room and you're you already have your escape plan mapped out like you know what you're going to hide behind or you know where to you know what room to jump into you know that hey this little room over here i know i can lock the door and i know there's like a shelf in there i can block the door you know i know i can jump in there real quick if i had to or i know that hey this exit right here leads me down to the first floor i know how to get out of there right and that's just so. That's really simple for anybody to learn how to do. You just kind of pay attention to where everything's at, wherever you're at. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to recent Indeed survey. We have hired a lot of team members over the last 17 years. Going through endless resumes, well, that's a time sink. But you know what else is a time sink? Interviewing endless people, because they're all going to give you the best face forward. That's why we love Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash charm. Just go to Indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Lennon and McCartney, Jagger and Richards, Watson and Crick, AJ and Johnny. What about the perfect duo when it comes to growing your business? Well, that's you and Shopify. 
That's right, Johnny. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling your own fire merch or promoting your productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, as well as millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. And AJ, you don't have to just sell your stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from the brands that you love, giving your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no-excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash charm. Go to shopify.com slash charm now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash charm. So what about the cover and concealment? And is there a difference between those two things? And, and what do yeah. we do? I mean, obviously, the first thing you got to do is get the heck out of there, right? If something like this happens, but you hear about people, ah, this is so morbid, even just talking about it. And it's so it's traumatic. When I think about the Paris incident, for example, everybody was huddled down. And I keep thinking, okay, what would I have done in this situation? Would I have tried to run far or would I have just gotten down? And then what do I do once I find out, oh my gosh, they're executing people as they take cover, as instructed. I guess I just don't know what to do. And I would love some 2020 hindsight so that people can prepare in God forbid, worst case scenario of something like this, because what happened there was a lot of people ran out and, and still others cooperated or tried to cover or conceal beneath things, and they ended up getting injured or killed that way, too. Yeah, I mean, it, it goes in the lines of, I mean, it's so sad that we actually have to think about this. It like, is. You know, hey, I'm at a concert enjoying myself, and I have to worry about... But it's reality, and what I don't want is for, is for anything to happen to anybody who's listening to this, or for anybody for that matter. The reason I did this, I originally was like, nah, this, I'm not sure, this is kind of off topic, but I would feel really bad if I dinged this one and then somebody had grave consequences because I thought this was off topic. I mean, now that you're mentioning it, it is more about human behavior. It's just that we have tactics that are life-saving instead of just observation. Okay, well, so let's do a little quick class on firearms really fast, right? So the bigger the gun is, probably the more powerful it is, right? So if it's a rifle, it's going to probably be more powerful than a handgun, right? So going back to what you said about cover and concealment, cover... It's basically stuff you can hide behind that'll stop bullets. So the thicker it is, the better, right? Concealment is something that you can hide behind that protects you from the view of whoever's shooting at you but won't provide any protection. So my thing is this, that another important aspect of just being more aware, and, and this goes more than just situational observational awareness, is understanding what firearms can do because people watch movies and they say, well, you know, I can hide behind this regular door or behind my car and it'll stop bullets. Well, that's not the case. An AK-47, a rifle will go right through a car. It'll go through regular walls in a house. It'll punch through bricks. So people have to understand that, first of all, because these guys are going to be attacking you with firearms. So the thicker it is, the better. So what you have to do is when you're sitting wherever you're at, wherever you're at, look where the cover's at. Look where the potential cover is. As opposed to concealment. So don't dive behind the tablecloth so that they can't see you. Dive behind the some kitchen appliance or something like that or, or the, a potted plant. 
No, yeah, a table. Yeah, the giant yeah. brick wall that's, you know, in between you. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because you know, I mean, we were joking about that the other night. We had these, like, really giant napkins that felt like they were Kevlar. And we're like, oh, we have concealment now <laughs> when it's actually just cover. Yeah, we had this massive na- – yeah, the thing weighed more than the plate. So we were joking about those being protective in some way. But, yeah, I mean, look at – because people – I think instinct says dive under the table. And it doesn't say dive behind this one of the, you know, those giant potted plants that they have at like a mall or like a fountain, something extremely large doesn't occur to you. It's almost like adult peekaboo in a macabre sort of way. Like, well, I can't see them, so they probably can't see me, so I'm safe. When really, if they're indiscriminate, it just doesn't matter. No, you're right. And you might have to use concealment initially, right? Just like you get down a little behind on like a little tablecloth. So they maybe they can't see right away and then, you know, but you already have it in your mind like, okay, I just got to like dive over behind this brick wall over here, you know, and get some cover and then try to get to my exit point that's behind me, right? That's away from the guy. And, you know, the best thing to do is, you know, if shooting starts, you get low, you get behind some cover if you can, or if all you have is concealment, get low, get behind that, look for your nearest cover is, try to get to it, try to kind of have an overview of what's going on around you, right? You can't be close your eyes and curl up on a ball because and pray that they're not going to shoot you, you know, because we all know what happens, right? So in the context of what we were talking about at a concert hall, well, I mean, if you're in the middle of the crowd, it's going to be very difficult for you to get out of there, right? So because you're going to have people trapped all around you. But what you can do is you get low, maybe if you have to crawl, you know, use like the seats around you to kind of give you that concealment to where maybe they can't see you. And, you know, you try to move and get out of there if you can. There might be instances where you have to maybe you might have to cover yourself with somebody. I mean, there's people that they had to do that, you know, but you just can't take the chance of just sitting there and, you know, just praying that nothing won't happen. You could take that risk. But you also got to understand, too, if you're running away and they're actively shooting, then you could be shot as well. So that's why you got to main, you know, try to get low, try to uh, go and cover or use concealment to mask your movement. That just goes along with if you do go to a place, pay attention to where you're sitting at, you know. Can you see people coming in and out of there? Are you thinking in your head, like, something happens, I'm going to go do this? Because it's like this. You've been punched in the face before, right? Yes, fortunately, okay. many times, yeah. Okay, so you remember the first time you were punched in the face? I remember many of the times I got punched in the face. And by the way, I'm not just getting punched in the face randomly every time I go out. I was into MMA for a really long time before anybody called it MMA back in probably the 90s and stuff like that as well. It hurts, yeah, and you can see stars and your nose is bleeding generally or you get a black eye or, yeah, it sucks. You totally always remember every time you've been punched in the face. I feel like unless you're in the thick of it, in which case I don't remember those hits. Like I'll go, what did I get hit in the face? And my, you know, instructor or coach will be like, yeah, like 58 times, man. I'm surprised you're still standing, you know, stuff like that. But if you're just sparring and you're not supposed to get hit, for example, and it's an accident, I remember those real clearly because it's so shocking. The funny thing oh, is yeah. I remember getting hit in the face every time I was in class because I took Jeet Kune Do for four years, just like you took MMA. I remember those, but being in actual fights – I never remember getting hit in the face. Yeah, because, you know, the adrenaline's going. But let's just say, put it in this context, you're walking down the street, looking at your phone, not looking around, and then all of a sudden someone smacks you in the side of the head and you've never been hit before. How long do you think it's going to take your brain to go, oh, I just been hit in the face. Okay, what do I got to do next? I don't know. Several seconds for sure. Exactly. And then five to ten seconds before you can register. It's like, wait, did somebody just hit me? Or did like a bird fall on my head? Yes, exactly. Yeah, in the the meantime, you're getting uh, more blows thrown at you, and then you're trying to recover, and then by that time, maybe it's too late. Now, put in the context of you're sitting in in a room or whatever, and you're not paying attention. You don't know where you know where to go. You don't know where covers at. You're not even paying attention to all that stuff, right? And then somebody comes and starts shooting. And maybe you never even heard gunshots before, right? And all of a sudden, oh my God, well, was that fireworks, right? Or what? What is that? Oh, there's people getting hurt. And then you're you're it's going to take you seconds to get the fog out of your head. And then you got to try to do something to survive. Well, if you haven't been planned, if you didn't have any plan in place, like I'm going to hide behind this wall over here or, or run down that stairwell to get out of there, 
how much time do you think you're going to lose, right? Yeah, you can lose a ton. And I saw this actually yesterday. I was in the city of San Francisco yesterday, and I heard a loud bang. And I immediately jumped back in the building where I was, but I heard somebody screaming. And so I came back out. I heard a lot of traffic honking and glass breaking. So I thought, oh, okay, there's a car accident. Yeah. So I came back out, and there were a ton of people around, and there was a guy, one guy screaming his face off who wasn't hurt. He was throwing glasses and grabbing mugs from people at a cafe and slamming them into the road. And oh. everyone was just standing there watching him. And I thought, if this guy had a weapon, all of these people would be frozen right now. Exactly. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because that situation you just said, what if he started hitting people in the head with their glass mugs? Yeah, or, or the first bang was actually a firearm. That My first gut instinct was, get the hell out, and then I thought, okay, this isn't, it's not a gunshot. Go back okay. and investigate. Yeah, this. I'm glad you brought this up about the gunshot sound. Every single shooting just about that happens, everybody always says, I thought it was fireworks, or I thought it was this, or I thought it was that. I want all the listeners out there, if you ever hear something that remotely sounds like a firework or something, a loud sound, automatically think it's gunfire first, okay? Because if you do, then you'll react. And then if it's not, then, okay, you can laugh about it and, you know, you know, have your friends think you're paranoid. If you, you know, automatically think that it's fireworks or, you know, a chair falling down or whatever, then it is gunfire, then guess what? Once again, you're going to have the delay of reaction, right? And, you know, seconds or, you know, milliseconds count during those situations, the faster you react, the more of a chance you're going to have to survive, right? So once again, you think you hear a sound that's, you know, fireworks automatically thinks it's gunfire until you figure out that it's not. Like in your situation, Jordan, when you were talking about you walked out and you saw this guy throwing all these glasses around, well, all those people standing around, it, it just doesn't make sense to me because, you know, who's to prevent that guy from going off on him? It's the same same thing with anything else. You know, you got to break yourself away from that danger area. And um, the thing is, people are like sheep, right? A lot of people are sheep and they just kind of stand around and watch it like, you know, oh, nothing's going to happen, you know, or maybe they're just in shock and they don't know what to do. You know, I don't know. The takeaway here is assume it's the worst thing that it could be. People might have a laugh at your expense afterwards when it turns out it was a car backfiring or somebody sat on a balloon and it popped, but it's better safe that way than, oh, that must have been a balloon or something like that. Let me go and look and see what that could have been, and now you are in a, you're in a much worse situation. Same thing with the, with the guy who threw the bottle down, the loud pop. I guess the glass breaking stuff, I didn't, it just didn't register, but my first thought was back in the cafe instantly because Jen's back in there. And uh, I sort of heard everything else afterwards, the little commotion and the screaming. So I thought, okay, this isn't what my, my sort of programmed reaction was. So I came back out, but he was still definitely dangerous and I was far away from him. People came out of buildings to look at him. People stopped their cars and their bikes to look at him. And I thought, this is the opposite of what you are supposed to do right now. So if you assume the worst, you can act on that as long as you're not putting other people in danger. Like every time you hear a pop, you don't just gun it through a busy intersection full of school children. You just protect yourself in as, as safe a way as possible. And, and you can always investigate later and find out it's nothing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as long as you, you know, your eyes open, your ears are open, and you're kind of like, okay, what just happened? You know, and you're thinking, okay. I'm going to do this next. I'm going to do that next, right? I want to throw this at you, right? Let's just say, um, you know, we're talking about these terrorist incidents, right? And they decide to use a diversionary tactic, like having a guy or have some type of loud noise or maybe something go on outside of a restaurant, right? And then guess what happens? Everybody walks outside on the street to see what it is. Mm -hmm. And then guess what happens after that? Right. You see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So you got to think of that, like, you know, the sad reality of it is that what happened the other day, I'm willing to bet that that's going to happen more, okay? And it's going to happen in places just like it happened in California. It's going to happen in other places like that. So just, you know, be thinking about that. Further, we, we have to know our own area. I want to go over some practicals here. We talked about not keeping your headphones in. In fact, that's a tip I got from police. I, I used to have a girlfriend that lived in a real kind of hood area of Hollywood. 
And uh, one day, I used to take the bus down there because I didn't have a car at this point. It was a long time ago. And I was like, I'm not going to get a car in L.A., which that lasted a few months only. I used to take the bus down there and, and go crash at her place. And one day I was walking and the cops were like, you live down here? Have you seen this guy? And I was like, no, I haven't seen that guy. I'm just walking to my girlfriend's house. And they were like, hey, uh, take your headphones out and keep your chin up while you walk down here. Because once you pass this car dealership, there's not a lot of lighting. And they're like, how far are you going? And I was like, oh, up to XYZ Street. And they're like, yeah, between this and this, you know, just pay attention. You'll be fine. But don't have your headphones in, man. Look around. You know, it's not that well lit. And I thought, that's really true. Because you could be right behind me with my headphones and I would have no idea. You've got to be looking ahead. You've got to be looking around, you know, your car where you parked it if you're going back and it's not well lit. You definitely need to be paying attention to even things like your footwear, especially for the ladies who are wearing these open-toed heels and things like that. I know a lot of women, believe it or not, that are, I'm not going to have anyone walk me back to my car. I can handle it. And I'm like, look, I'm sure that's true. However... It's not about you. It's about the perception of you as a victim. Yes, and you, you make great points. So let's just say, you know, if you want to listen to music or whatever, podcasts, and you're walking down the street, have one ear butt in, the other one out, you know, and don't turn the volume up loud. And then every, you know, every several steps, you know, maybe just look behind you, okay? That might be just enough to where somebody will not want to mess with you because you're paying attention, right? Secondly, like uh, we'll just piggyback what you said about footwear. Have some type of footwear, especially the women, that you can run in or you can fight in. Don't wear your high heels. Put your high heels in your bag and then wait till you get to work and then throw them on, you know. And another reason why you don't want to wear like, you know, hard shoes like that is not just because of the running aspect. It's the noise aspect. Have you ever heard high heels at night or even, you know, dress shoes like with hard soles? Sure, I mean, of course. They're yeah. loud, right? Yeah. So, you know, wear something with rubber soles, something you can run in, something quiet. And that'll just help you out as far as, uh, you know, when you're just walking around. Now, obviously, we can get more into things like patterns, right? So you're going driving to and from work. You're taking a bus, taking a train, whatever. You have targets of opportunity, okay? Or you have a planned target. So a target of opportunity could be, you know, some criminals hanging out. Guy walking alone with earbuds on at night in that section of Hollywood. That's target of opportunity. Yeah, you know, yeah, or some guys, you know, hiding behind a bush behind an ATM and, you know, there's always going to be somebody grabbing money, right? So, boom, target of opportunity. Or you have a planned target. So maybe you have more sophisticated criminals or, in this case, maybe terrorists, right? And they're watching a specific target. So, you know, maybe... They want to rob you, Jordan, right? So they're going to like watch you for a week, watch your, you know, your movements, you know, see what kind of car you drive, where you live, you know, what routes you take every day. You know, do you take the same, you know, way to and from work or do you go to the grocery store every Wednesday at the same time? Do you park in the same area? They're going to watch, watch and see what kind of vulnerabilities that would be easy for them to exploit, Right. That's like a planned target, a target of opportunities like what we said before, you know, headphones in the air, you know, ATM. So if, for instance, you are at work, you know, if you're a female and, you know, some guy's kind of acting a little weird and he's always trying to talk to you and, you know, you're just being nice, but, you know, he's just kind of weird and wants to be around you more. Well, if this guy starts showing up all over the place, just out of the nowhere, I mean, red flags, right? And who knows, he might be watching your movements. He might be trying to figure out the best time where he can attack you. And so what I mean by you got to change your movements up, you know, change your – try not to drive the same way to work every day. Maybe mix it up, you know, go one way to work and then take an opposite way coming back. Mix it up. And if you can't, then maybe switch the times up. Leave a little bit later, leave a little bit earlier, mix it up a little bit because – you know, what that'll do is it, it'll, if somebody is trying to actively target you, then it's going to throw them off a little bit. Because, you know, if you're just a target of opportunity means they're waiting around just to find a victim, well, that's one thing. But if they're trying to actively get you, then they're going to try to exploit a weak point where you're at. So you got to mix them up a little bit, you know, change your route up, change your times up. I, I want to throw something in here. Something that I actually do is when I leave the house every day, because I, I do change up my times when I leave and you know, we have a big dog here that barks a lot, but still when I'll leave, I'll do a lap around the block and then come back by the house to see if like anybody's casing the joint. 
<laughs> because we have we've we've had a lot of break-ins in this neighborhood. Oh, really? Okay. So what I'll do is, yeah, I mean, we've had the neighbors like three neighbors have had home invasions. So what I'll do is like I'll kind of tool around the block and see who's sitting in their car getting high because it's California and people do that all the time and you can't put everybody in that category of oh they're casing the joint they're just you know they're on their lunch break getting stoned but there are people here that will like drive away if you see them and i think those are the people that you need to like really keep an eye out for and i just take pictures of their license plates yeah so if i do come home and god forbid we had a break-in i at least have some place for the police to start and your neighbors as well yeah yeah well it's like you got to know your neighborhood right you have to know who belongs you know, what cars are always parked out there, Who, what your neighbors look like, you know, even pay attention to who comes and visits them. Because let's just say you're driving home from work. And I, I'll tell you a little story about this guy I worked with when I was an agent. He was driving home from work. It was late. And he lived like in the, you know downtown D.C. and like a kind of a apartment building. So he was on the street. He pulled up on the street and he saw this car like on the opposite side of the street. And there's two guys in it. And he's like, Something's kind of weird about that. But then one of the guys got out and went to the entrance to the department building next to where his was. So he's like, okay, well, I guess he's going in there to visit somebody. My buddy gets out of his car, walks up to his entrance to his apartment. And then the next thing you know, he hears, hey, MF, you know, give me your money, right? Oh, man. Yeah, my friend made a decision in his head. Well, I'm going to turn around and hit this guy in the face. Well, he did that. He turned around and punched the guy and they ended up you know, kind of going off the side of the porch, but my friend got shot in the process. Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. Obviously he didn't die, but the thing was, this gets me into this. Pay attention to that voice in your head. Like he didn't listen to it. He saw that there was something not right about those two guys sitting over there, right? And he didn't listen to it. And so he went to his entrance and he wasn't looking behind his back and that guy was able to come right up on him and it could have ended a lot worse. Oh yeah. So it goes in the context of, you know, know who's in your neighborhood, know those cars. You know, when you're walking your dog, pay attention to inside of the cars. There's people sitting in there. There's a car running. You know, if it's nighttime, do you see a dash light in there? I mean, you know, pay attention to these things because it could be potential predator or criminal or somebody that's waiting to do something. Those are just easy little things people could do to not put themselves in the position to be victimized. Because when you walk around with your head in the clouds and not paying attention, then guess what? You're going to be victimized. So we need to know our neighborhood and our surroundings. But I think a lot of people overlook, and again, I'm totally guilty of this, like people post things like, headed on vacation for three weeks, see you all in next 2016. And you're just like... Really, dude? Everyone knows you live by yourself and, you, you know, you're, you've got a freaking cat or like cat sitter coming to get fluffies. See y'all in 2016. It's even stuff that you think is not blatant. It's like everyone knows where you live. I mean, half the people on your Facebook know who you are. It's just straight oversharing. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, people are watching you, especially you, Jordan, because you're, you're a figure. You know, you're a public figure. You know, people are watching you. According to Facebook only. But yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Here's the deal. I have another podcast that we won't talk about right now that we talk about this stuff all the time when people overshare and you give out your geolocation and they know you're not home. Period. That's like, okay, come rob me. Oh, like giant sign that into says, the gym. come rob me. It, yeah. Anytime that you post a photo that is in real time that says, I am not at my home, that is a massive flag for people who want to break into your house. You know? We just had a case here in L.A. It was on the news yesterday. A guy broke into 22 women's homes and robbed them and stole their panties. Uh, I was going to say, why only women? Now I know why. Exactly. Right. He was a crazy sexual predator. Fortunately for them, all he did was steal, like, you know, their TVs and their panties. And this was a father of three, you know, who had a wife and had a nice life. And it's just like, oh, but they were crimes of opportunity because what he did was followed them on Instagram and they would post photos and they had geolocation on on their photos. He backtraced that and said, oh, OK, well, now I know where you live because you posted a picture from your kitchen. They're like, oh, here's my cheese sandwich. And uh, then he figured out where they lived. And when they would go to the gym and he profiled them and found out where they were going to be at what times a day. And he broke into their homes. Twenty two different B&Es that he got busted for. And and that's all, all that we know about. It could have been more. If your underwear is gone, you know that is gone. 
Right. But they, maybe they just thought like, yeah, maybe it's more. But I feel like that's one thing where I would notice the next day, unless he only takes one pair. And you're like, where did that orange pair of panties go? If you clean out my underwear drawer, I will notice pretty quickly, I would hope. Yeah, especially those favorite worn ones, right? Yeah, the, we don't even talk about those, yeah. but <laughs> my me undies. We got to throw yeah. me undies on this one. You escaped Iraq. What does that mean, escaping Iraq? Uh, well, actually, my father and I, we work in a contract in Iraq, and um, we basically got another job offer with another contractor. And um, the one we were working with didn't want to help us out. They didn't want to get us out of the country. They said, you need to give us 30 days notice. So we're like, okay. So basically, um, we decided to uh, get out of the country by ourselves. So we got a hold of our interpreter, which was a uh, Kurd, by the way. Kurds are awesome. They're suffering from ISIS over there right now. He was a Kurd, and and we got him to basically take us from the Mosul area of Iraq, which was very bad at the time. Oh, it's always bad. And then we had him drive us like uh, about an hour and a half south to a base to get some money. And and we were going to actually talk to our uh, former boss to kind of have a little chat with him about why he did that to us. But he wasn't there, so we didn't have – we weren't able to have some fun with him. So then um, the interpreter drove my dad and I – and actually his cousin was with us. And uh, basically we drove to the border of Turkey with no communication, no phones. We were just by ourselves. We had uh, an AK and a – and a handgun um, between us. So we uh, took it to the border of Turkey and we took a cab to uh, the border crossing. At this point, is the cabbie like, sure, bring in your handgun and your AK-47, no big deal? No, what we did was I handed him off to the interpreter, gave it to him, and we ended up coming back about a month later and, and went to his house and picked it back up. <laughs> so it was kind of cool. So he's just hanging out, like, borrowing your AK-47 for a yeah, couple yeah. weeks. So uh, it's a funny story at the border. So we cross over to the border, and um, where it's like a border crossing where a lot of the trucks, it isn't like a, a normal, like, civilian kind of crossing. It's like a lot of in- industry, you know, like a lot, of, a lot of semis coming in and out of Iraq through Turkey. So we're sitting there. We had to dump all our bags out on this table, and uh, these two Turkish border guards were looking at our stuff, and they were picking up our body armor, and they're like, "What is this for?" And we're like, "You know, well, we were just in Iraq." And then, and then my dad, uh, he's like, "Hey, uh, we need to see your ID." And then, and then my dad had like an ID badge. So did I, like a holder, and it had a Kurdish flag on it, right? Oh yeah. As everybody knows, the, the Turks have a problem with the Kurds, and you know they don't allow like the Kurdish flag or music or anything like that to be played over there. So two border guards look at my dad and go, "What is this?" And my dad tries to play stupid, like, "Oh, I don't know." And it's, it's a Kurdish flag, and then kind of like stop, and they're talking to each other, and they're kind of angry. And then they look at my dad and they go, "You need to burn that right now, or you're gonna go back into Iraq." And then, uh, oh man, <laughs> the whole time I'm sitting over there in the corner, like throwing mine down, like where they couldn't see it. So anyway, they um, they let us get through, and then uh, the taxi cab driver was this Kurdish guy. <laughs> And he was nervous the whole time playing his loud Kurdish music. And then we're driving through the countryside and every like 10 miles they're stopping at Turkish checkpoints. And then, uh, you know, they have like machine guns mounted on the roads. And, you know, I guess they have, I don't know, they have a problem over there. And, uh, you know, the Kurdish driver, the taxi cab driver was all nervous. And the Turkish uh, military officer would come up to us and look in the window and go, oh, these are Americans. Okay, let them go. You know, but it was just kind of a funny trip because we went from the border of Iraq up to this place called Vaughn, which is real close to Iran, driving through the countryside, seeing Roman aqueducts, and it was pretty cool. And then we flew into Istanbul. They took us in the back room and searched us more <laughs> before we got on the plane to fly back to the States. But um, that was my escape out of Iraq with my dad. It was pretty fun, pretty stupid now that I look back at it. They must have been thrilled with you big time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for coming on and and sharing your knowledge with us. I hope that people find, even if this doesn't end up saving their life, which I, you know, I kind of hope they'd never have to put this stuff into play. At least it will make you more observant of people and situations, which is what this show is about. So I appreciate your time and and your expertise. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. And um, if anybody needs any help, they can just contact me and I'll be more than willing to help them out. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks, Sean, for your time. It's unfortunate that we need this stuff this day and age, but I feel like we are willfully blind to this if we do not learn 
these types of potentially life-saving techniques and teach them to our friends, even if it just comes down to the, the simple be more alert, don't wear your headphones, keep your head out of your phone, pay attention to your surroundings, and, and use these tactics to develop better personal observation skills about other people, even if that's all you take from this, then great, but please, please, be vigilant, keep yourself safe. I hear too many tragic stories in my email alone. I don't want something to happen to somebody out there because we withheld that, and hence this episode, and I, I hope that you enjoyed that. In fact, if you did, don't forget to thank Sean on Twitter. We'll have that linked in the show notes as well as the other resources mentioned on the show. You can tap the album art in most mobile podcast players to see the show notes right on the phone. I also post tons of stuff on Twitter that never makes it to the show. I'm at The Art of Charm on Twitter. Our bootcamp details, bootcamp.theartofcharm.com. Now remember, we're sold out a few months in advance, so if you're thinking about it a little, get in touch ASAP, get some info from us so you can plan ahead. Of course, subscribe and review in iTunes. We also have our iPhone and Android apps, and when you write a review, it makes us feel proud as well as help keep us up in the ranks so that other people who can use this information can find the show more easily to get the advice that they need. It's also the best way to support the show other than purchasing products and training from us. Special thanks to the Jasons and to Fogarty for their help in production of the Art of Charm podcast. Go ahead and tell your friends. The greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to someone else, either in person or shared on the web, and in the case of this episode, it may even save their life. Now have a great week, and leave everything and everyone better than you found them. Thanks for listening to The Art of Charm. Get more confidence, relationship skills, life hacks, and more at theartofcharmpodcast.com.